Okay, we have an exciting session today. Um, my name is Sandy Carter. I'm the vice president here at Amazon Web Services. I've been with Amazon for about three years. We had promised five new features and functions for Windows and .NET, but our team over-delivered and is gonna talk about 14. So we gotta go and we're gonna go quickly. Um, but I do wanna say that in addition to the 14 features, we have two amazing speakers that'll be up here with us as well. I will later invite up Peter Torres, who's with Capital One and has an amazing story that he's gonna tell about migration. And then later, Matt Parzabach, who is the um, direct, senior director for client technology at Expedia, and he'll also be up here chatting, showcasing modernization. Now, we have a lot to cover. I was planning on doing Q&A, but given we have 14 announcements, I will not be doing Q&A today. So I wanted to include Twitter handles up here. You can also find me on LinkedIn or Facebook, and I promise if you tag me, I will get back to you with an answer, or you can stay afterwards and we can also chat. So if you wanna take a quick pick of that, then uh, we'll go ahead and get started. Um, so one of the things that I love to do is that's to use quotes. And one of my very favorite quotes comes from uh, a situation with Michael Jordan. Do you guys remember who Michael Jordan is? Yes? Okay, great. Because I was talking to a couple of millennials and Gen Zs, and they're like, oh, the shoes. You're talking about the Air Jordan shoes, right? He was also a phenomenal basketball player. I love this quote because this is from Stacy King, who was a rookie. And he said, I always remember this night as the night that Michael Jordan and I combined to score 70 points. He scored one point. Um, and I kind of feel like that today because as I walk you through this road, uh, roadmap, you guys actually told us 90% of what we're gonna talk about today. So here I am, I'm gonna be presenting the one point because you guys, as we worked backwards from the customer, you guys gave us all the, all the additional secret sauce. So today we're gonna to talk about Windows, and just to frame it up, I wanna take a few minutes to go through some of the reasons why customers choose Windows on AWS. So Andy mentioned this morning in his keynote that AWS hosts twice as many Windows server instances in the cloud as does Microsoft. Now you might say, well, why does that matter to me as a customer? Well, that means that we have more experience with Windows. We've been doing it for 11 years. And you know that experience really matters. So whether you're talking about Salesforce, who now has 10,000 instances of Windows on AWS running dev test, or Autodesk, who's been running Windows on AWS for 11 years, they were one of our first migration customers, now doing um, very interesting things with AD on AWS, or Active Directory on AWS. Customers around the world are choosing to run those Windows workloads on AWS. And let me just go through a couple of reasons why. Reason number one is the innovation that we bring to the table that gives you a lot of ability to have that agility that you need in your, in your um, space. So whether we're talking about License Manager, which we'll enhance today, or Azure to AWS Migration, which last year we announced here at reInvent, again, due to your request, that's now been used by thousands of customers to migrate their Azure workloads over to AWS, especially around Windows. We have um, Extra Mark up here who does learning solutions and education, and they have over 9,000 different schools. They were feeling some of the um, downtime issues, so they decided to migrate over. And then Concert Real Estate also decided to migrate over, but for a different reason. They had a very unique and custom database and data lake on Azure, but they were having performance and scale issues, so they migrated that over using that particular tool. We also have tremendous innovation around SQL Server. So if you think about SQL Server, um, last year we announced App Wizard to help you debug different issues that come up. And this year, we are introducing SQL Server 2019 support. We did this the exact same week that Microsoft introduced SQL Server 2019. As you know, SQL Server runs on Windows, but the great thing about SQL Server 2019 is the parity with Linux. So Windows and Linux now get closer together. So many of our customers are now running SQL Server on Linux as well. But we've also been innovating in .NET. So you'll see us pr 
place big bets on .NET, including we just joined as a corporate sponsor the .NET Foundation to help contribute to open source. And then, of course, last but not least, is some of the areas around app modernization. You heard Andy again speak about this this morning and how important application modernization is to uh, companies around the world. And here we were the first to introduce serverless capability, Lambda, for Windows running in the cloud. We also now have EKS, uh, Fargate, containers. So basically, all the great things you can do with modernization on Linux, you can also do for Windows as we treat Windows as a first-class citizen. Now, the second reason we see customers coming over to AWS, uh, especially around um, you know, running those workloads, is around rely reliability. So customers run mission-critical applications, maybe many of you do as well, on, on Windows on AWS. And so downtime really matters. This is the latest report. The 2019 report will come out soon. But in 2018, the next largest cloud provider had seven times more downtime than AWS did running Windows. And that really has an impact, especially if your SQL Server business is mission critical for you. The third reason that customers choose to run uh, Windows on AWS as well as security. So this is just one example. If you happen to be a public uh, sector customer, FedRAMP is really important to you. It's one of the higher levels of security for government customers. Um, we today have over, actually 90, we just hit our 90th this morning, customers who now have FedRAMP compliant solutions in those partnerships. That's 4X more than the next two cloud providers combined. So today, what we want to do is now to take those reasons to uh, move your Windows workloads over to AWS to the next level. So since I had five in the title, I had to come up with something with five in it. So I thought, you know, it's the holidays, so you got five golden rings, or we're here at Vegas, and there's five golden nuggets, so you can pick which one you wanna, which one you wanna use. We're gonna talk about these five themes, and I'll group each of the 14 announcements under these themes. Uh, and again, remember, these are the top suggestions that you guys gave us for new features and functions around Windows. So I'm gonna walk through total cost of ownership, ease of use, migration, and then modernization, and I'm gonna close it out with analytics and machine learning and insights. Uh, I'm gonna take each of these one by one. So I'm gonna start off with total cost of ownership, and we'll spend um, a good amount of time on this section, because I know that this is top of mind for many of you as you're looking at either rolling out more workloads or new workloads on um, AWS. So as we talked to you, you told us there were three different areas that were important. One is performance of the platform, and can you continue to make that faster, especially for SQL Server? Second is how do I really manage all those licenses with all the licensees changes coming? And then third, how can I right-size what I'm doing both before I decide to deploy, but also after I deploy? So I'm gonna walk you through some of these um, Areas. So the first one's on performance, and I've got two different areas I want to focus on for performance. The first is SQL Server performance. So this is not a benchmark run by us. This is a benchmark run by DBBest. It's not even data published by us, because we're not allowed to publish comparison data. This is, a, this is data published by ZK uh, Research. And what they found is, if you look at price and performance, SQL Server on AWS, is twice, at least twice, as good as running SQL Server on any other platform. Here, of course, is shown with Azure. So on the left-hand side of the chart, you see cost. So of course, cost you want the lower is better. So you can see running one billion transactions a month. Regardless of workload size, the cost on AWS is lower. On the right-hand side of the chart, you're looking at performance. So here, bigger is better. You can see on the right-hand side of the chart that performance across basically every instance type is better running SQL Server on AWS. So the bottom line is SQL Server on AWS consistently outperforms Azure. And the reasons are that, are for that are because of optimization, some of the work we've done on networking, as well as with storage. The second performance area that we want to bring out, and this is a brand new announcement, 
You'll see the new announcements with that little uh, badge up at the top. And this is um, FSX for Windows. Now, we did announce FSX for Windows last year. And if you remember, this is a managed service with a fully compatible Windows uh, file system. So it follows all the SMB protocols. What we're doing today is we're announcing three new features, again, based on your use cases for this particular feature or function. The first is full multi-AZ or availability zone support. Not do it yourself like you had to do last year, but done by us. The second one is around price or cost. This is total cost of ownership. So last year we announced this with SDD, but today we're announcing HDD, and not just HDD, but lower cost, 2.5 cents lower cost. And then finally, we're also supporting data deduplication. And this is, of course, really um, important as you're looking at those general purpose file systems, how you're doing your memory compression, and we're seeing up to 50 to 60% savings as we're going through that process of deduplication as well. So this is one of our very first announcements, brand new announcements around Windows workloads with FSX file system. The next area I wanna talk about a little bit is optimization of your licenses. Uh, now I know a lot of you know this, but just to level set, if you're gonna bring your own license, or BYOL, and you're gonna do that for Windows Server, today you are required by the licensing agreement to run that on a dedicated host. A dedicated host is a machine that's dedicated to the use of a single customer. If you're gonna run SQL Server, because of license mobility, you're able to run that in an EC2 instance that's very cloud-like which has inhibited a lot of you from moving over Windows Server licenses because you're looking for something more cloud-like. So one of the things that we have really focused on is how do we get you the best value? You've already purchased those Windows Server licenses. How do we make sure that you can use those in an AWS environment? So we were actually the first to introduce this dedicated host concept back in 2015. Last year, I got to stand on stage and introduce License Manager to help you better optimize those licenses and to manage those BYOL licenses, both on-prem and in the cloud. And in fact, we were the first to announce the ability to block a new license if you were running over your license count. And we were the first to introduce License Manager for both on-prem and in the cloud. So as a reminder, let me just show you what we announced last year. Um, by the way, this is one of the fastest growing new services, and it is free. That's right, it's free. License Manager is free if you choose to use it. So what do you do? You're able to define your rules by licenses. You guys told us you didn't just want Microsoft, but you wanted basically all of the workloads. So we included as many workloads as possible that are measured by or counted by vCPU, physical socket, physical core, instance type, essentially anything but per user. And then we enabled you last year to enforce a license limit, meaning that let's say you've purchased 200 SQL Server licenses, you could block the launching of the 201st license if you so choose because of the way that we've integrated into the EC2 control plane. Now, one of the new features and functions that we're introducing today, so this is our second new announcement, um, is in License Manager, now you are able to define that product information, let's say SQL Server 2017. And this now lets License Manager track and notify you of any changes. So think of it kind of as a bot that you have running in your accounts that periodically tracks to see what software you have in your accounts and automatically pushes that back out to a dashboard for you. That's what this does, very cool. Um, and just to kind of complete the picture, this is the dashboard that we display. Shows you how many licenses you're counting. So here, this customer has six licenses that you're counting. And you can see they have two violations. We'll look at those. One of those is SQL Server on the left, where you've purchased 200 SQL Server licenses. And you're not allowing anybody to go over 200, so we're alerting you you're at your limit. But this particular customer, all the way on the right, has allowed Oracle. You've purchased 40 licenses, but you're already using 50. So this customer said, I'm gonna let you, my internal customers continue to launch Oracle licenses, 
um, but now I'm tracking them. So when I get audited by Oracle, I have data that shows how many licenses that I've overextended myself as well. And then last but not least, you guys told us that you wanted this to be on-prem and in the cloud. So again, in this particular customer example, we're tracking not only Windows, but Oracle, IBM software, and then that on-premises SQL server. So if you have not looked at this solution, you need to do that. We have one customer today that's tracking over 2,000 AWS accounts leveraging this service. But wait, there's more. I told you we really wanted to focus in on dedicated hosts. And if you attended Midnight Madness, you saw that we also now have announced the ability to have cloud-like dedicated hosts. And when I say cloud-like, I really mean cloud-like. It's as easy as launching an EC2 instance, but now dedicated host is managed by AWS. So let me kind of show you what that looks like. Three steps. So the first is creating that configuration. The second one is aligning that to your AMIs and making sure that you do that with your EC2 instances. And then the third step, which we've added in, is creating a host resource group. And this group automatically helps you to manage those dedicated hosts in an EC2 or a cloud-like way. So this is all done through License Manager. And again, this is what the screens look like. We take you through creating that host resource group. And then what you're able to do is choose whether you want to share that host resource throughout all AWS organizations. You may or may not want to do that depending upon how you have your organization set up. Uh, maybe you have DevOps run one way in one division and run a different way in another division. So this allows you the option of choosing how you want to do that. And then you specify your preferences for that host resource group. So the really cool thing here is that whether you're using a GUI or whether you're using the command line, now you're able to manage those BYL instances just like you do EC2 instances today. <clears throat> a great benefit of this is reduction of cost. You can run this with Windows Server, which is what it was really built for, or SQL Server as well. And we even went one step further because we know to optimize your cost, you also need to be able to mix instance types. So now you're able to, let's say, kick off an M5 large and an M5 extra large or two extra large and optimize between those. You can share capacity across multiple AWS accounts if you so choose to. And now you're also able to do auto scaling of those dedicated hosts in, an, in this automated fashion. So it really enables you to really maximize your ability to use those bring-your-own-licenses, especially around Windows Server. Now, I think you probably saw some of the license changes that occurred on October 1st. Um, so any licenses that you've purchased from Microsoft or a Microsoft partner before October 1st, so that's 2003, 2008, 2016, 2019, you can leverage and use this with all of those license types. Now, in order to estimate what that value would be, we've also taken improvements to TSO Logic. So I don't know if you guys have heard about TSO Logic, but TSO Logic, we acquired that company last year. And what it does is it enables you ahead of time to see what your cost savings would be of moving any on-premises Windows workloads to the cloud. So if you look at overall, on average, we're seeing 36% cost savings, but that could be as high as 80 to 100% cost savings. The new news here today, though, is that TSO Logic has already included the ability to track savings plans. Hopefully you saw that announcement that occurred about three weeks ago, where we now have the option of savings plans or RIs. So now TSO Logic takes into account that, as well as this new dedicated host change and multiple instance types. So it'll really provide you with the right level of cost savings that you're gonna see in your environment. Now, the other big announcement that we um, are making today is AWS Compute Optimizer. 
Now this is both for Windows as well as for Linux, so you can use it in both operating systems and environments. So what it does is we've looked at you know, millions of customers and what their use patterns are. And we've applied a set of training mechanisms and inference using machine learning to those best of breed patterns. So we look at things like instance types, mixing instance types, auto scaling, auto group scaling, and how we can optimize that. So we evaluate your environment, and then we provide you with three recommendations of how to optimize your cost for you. That's both across Windows as well as Linux. Um, once you see those uh, recommendations, you can pick which one you want, and then with one click, you can execute on that particular recommendation, or you don't have to pick any if you don't want to. But this is really, I think, a, a very powerful um, use case, and the customers that were in beta really found significant savings in leveraging this. Now, this is before you start using or deploying AWS, but what happens after you start deploying? Well, one of the partnerships that we have done is with a company called Cloud Checker. And this particular company now looks at optimization or savings once you deploy Windows on AWS. So it gives you complete visibility. Average savings once you deploy is about 30%. And why is that? Well, what it does is it watches you as you deploy, as you're using, as you're consuming. It identifies areas that you might have waste, maybe where you're using EBS in the wrong way. Um, it also enables you to look at your usage patterns. So you as a customer are unique from other customers. So it doesn't apply a generic template, but it looks at your specific use case and analyzes that use case for potential savings. Um, they also do do best practices. So far they've collected 550 best practices from a number of customers that are leveraging Cloud Checker and they also give you recommendations based on those customers' best practices as well. So it's combining the waste that you have that's identified, your usage patterns, as well as other best practices as well. So the bottom line here on TCO is we won't lose on TCO. So make sure you come and talk to us as you're looking at total cost of ownership. We have a something called an OLA, an optimized licensing assessment. We would love to come in and show you what your total cost of ownership will look like as you both decide to migrate over and then once you consume as well. Okay, so let's now go on to the second area, our second golden ring, which is around ease of use. And this area I know is really important for a lot of you as well, is making this as easy to use as possible. So let me just start out with a, a little personal story, if you might. So I have two daughters, um, and my two daughters, we do pancake Sunday every Sunday. So they come and they'll come on Sunday morning to eat our pancakes. They gave me this picture one Sunday, and they said, Mom, can you make us this pancake? So I looked at it, and I said, of course I can make that pancake. <laughs> um, now remember, this is an MVP. So it was a successful MVP because my daughters ate it and they posted it all over Instagram. But as is any MVP, it needs a little ease of use focus. And so we constantly at AWS look at our ease of use and how we can make it better and easier for you. You guys gave us three suggestions this year. Um, the first one was around single sign-on, especially with Active Directory. Um, the second, this was actually a request I got the first week I started Amazon, which was golden image management. And so we've got a really cool solution that works for both Windows and Linux. And then the final was, how can you help us package up best practices and guidance and make it easier for us? So I'm gonna talk to you about announcements on each of these for ease of use. And the first is around single sign-on. So identity today you know, is the new black. It is what everybody is using as Active Directory. We know that 95% of you use and leverage Active Directory. So we know that when you move to AWS, you really need to continue using Active Directory. We started supporting in AWS single sign-on 
the use of Active Directory on-premises, but we had not added in support for Azure Active Directory. So announcing today, we now have AWS Single Sign-On that supports Azure Active Directory and that connection, but also will continue to support, obviously, Active Directory on-premises as well. We also now are supporting um, flexibility in that multi-factor authentication, and that's regardless of whether you use Google authentication or Microsoft authentication, will support that flexibility for you to choose how you want to authenticate. And then finally, um, last but not least, this was an add-on after some of the beta customers leveraged it, which was you wanted to be integrated into uh, the command line interface how we were um, leveraging and using some of the standards. And so we were able to integrate that in before we were able to launch it, make it easier to securely use those uh, automated short-term credentials, leveraging and using our single sign-on. So we've eliminated um, the hassle of really staying secure and freeing up time in this particular area. The second area I want to talk about in terms of ease of use and I was trying to find a cool factoid, but the only thing I could come up with was keep calm and automate on. And this is around those golden images we talked about. So I still remember the first week I was um, at Amazon. Someone came up to me and they said, look, you know, today if I need to create and manage my own image, which I do all the time, it's very manual. And in fact, one customer actually built an automation tool himself. And so today, I am really happy to announce uh, that we have now automated that process with Amazon EC2 Image Builder. As I said earlier, it does work with Linux as well as with Linux, and it does help you in automation both in the creation of the image as well as building the image to be compliant um, as well as testing of the image to improve your uptime. We provide you with the ability to use our tests, the AWS test portfolio, as well as using any of your own tests that you also want to ensure that everything continues to work as you're in production. Um, we're really excited by this announcement as well because you also wanted to leverage a GUI interface, so we provided that GUI interface. So let me just show you quickly uh, what this looks like. So as you're using Image Builder, you will specify and start with your source image, which you, which you do today. Now you can customize that using software configurations, but then what you're gonna do is you're going to look at some of the custom templates that we have to really harden that image for you. You'll then test that image using either our test and your test or both, depending upon how you want to leverage that. And then you'll be able to distribute that and you can select the AWS regions that you wish to push your customized golden image to. So it lets you choose that. Again, that's another item that we added after um, our beta. Um, and all of this runs in your own AWS account as well. So I think this is pretty phenomenal. Do you guys like this? Like this one? Yeah. Um, the next area that I wanted to talk about is around um, how we can provide you with best practices. So as I've done EBCs with lots of you, you guys tell me, look, I know my application better than anyone, but I know it on-premises. I have to use tools and things to get it to the cloud, and I want to make sure that that knowledge, those skill bases that I can bring with me. And so what we're announcing today is the ability for you to do that through something called a launch wizard, the uh, AWS launch wizard, which for me is pretty exciting because what it does is built on machine learning models. It enables you to size, to configure, and deploy selected workloads. So the, the launch wizard itself, let me just show it to you. You can specify your identity parameters you look for connectivity inputs like your VPC, for instance. <clears throat> you then look for your infrastructure requirements. And then as a second step, you're able now to cost that out, to see what that would cost you if you actually deployed in that fashion. Once you decide, yes, I want to deploy in that fashion, then you're able to test that as well. So this really is a wizard. It really helps you to step through each of the three steps that you would need to do as you're moving something from on-premises 
into the cloud. Now, we've already announced this today uh, for a SQL Server. We did that about two weeks ago. Um, but today, we're also announcing that you can now use Launch Wizard not just for Windows workloads or SQL Server <clears throat> always-on workloads. You're also now able to use this with SAP NetWeaver HANA as well as HANA Database. And you can imagine there'll be others coming very shortly. So our goal here <coughs> is really to help you run Windows on AWS as easy as one, two, three. Our one, two, three steps, either for Image Builder or for our Launch Wizard, trying to make it really easy and manageable for you as you're deploying and as you're migrating those workloads over. So now let's step on and talk about that third golden ring, which is around migration. And what you guys told us around migration is that you want to be able to migrate as fast as possible and as easy as possible. So two of three of you said faster speed of migration is really important. And so as we looked at migration, there are really kind of three steps that you want to look at. The first is, do you have a way to share best practices with us? and to help us size what that, that migration will look like. So essentially it's around assessing what will migrate and how we'll migrate it. What will we do lift and shift on? What will we do refactoring on? And how will we do that? So what's the planning and how do we execute on that? And how do we do that using best case practices? So you guys know today we have a map program that's an overall map program. But many of you have said, we need to specifically tailor this for Windows so we can leverage the best practices and the migrations that we use around the Windows platform. And so launching in first quarter of 2020 will be the new program called Map for Windows that will be specific for you in terms of the ways that you use partners, you use the training, you use our professional services, and again, that complete assessment the way we plan it out, and the way that you execute on that moving forward. Now, the second area are the sets of tools that you can use to do that migration. Um, and we have acquired a new tool called Cloud Endure. Uh, you used to have to pay for Cloud Endure because it was a separate company. Now you can migrate using Cloud Endure um, for free. It is an agent-based migration, however, so it complements our current migration tool, which is called Amazon Server Migration Service. So we do provide a choice of those two tools as you're looking at how you do your migration. Um, so I know some of you in the, in the public space need to use agent list. That would be an SMS migration. If you wanna uh, go ahead and deploy with an agent-based migration, you can use Cloud Endure. Also, we still have partnerships as well. <clears throat> one example of that is with a company called CloudChomp. And one of the interesting things about that solution is that it's really integrated all the way from discovery of all the things you have in your uh, environment from your applications on. It helps you figure out how to right-size those as well as optimize them. And then it enables you to calculate the total cost of ownership as you go through. So I know many of our customers still uh, go with a, a partner program, which we still use and leverage today. But instead of me talking about this, what I'd really like to do um, is to bring up Peter Torres. And Peter has been in the industry for over 20 years and has been innovating and really driving the space. So I'd like to bring up Peter Torres, who's the Director of Software Engineering for Capital One. Please welcome him to the stage. Thank you, Sandy. Mm -hmm. So I'm um, always excited to speak uh, uh, stories about Capital One's transformational journey um, and, and share the amazing opportunities and, uh, and accomplishments of our engineering team. So uh, let me jump into it. Let me start by telling you a little bit about Capital One. Um, at Capital One, we're building uh, a leading information-based technology company. Still founder-led, Capital One is on a mission to help customers succeed by bringing ingenuity, simplicity, 
and humanity to banking. The digital revolution has changed and how we communicate, interact, connect with people, how we shop, travel, manage our health, and manage our money has all changed. Legacy industries must evolve with the times. And banking has the hallmarks of an industry ripe for technological disruption. Banking is inherently information-based. It is a gateway to the lives of consumers. And banking is dominated by legacy players, legacy technology, and legacy business models. Building new in the cloud is easy, relatively easy. But what about the COTS products? Make no mistake about it, COTS products do have a place. Maybe it's because you don't want to make the investment, whether it's a financial investment, an engineering resource time investment, or maybe it's just not a priority at the moment. Reasons vary depending on the use case. But building COTS products in the clouds comes with many challenges. Many of these look familiar. The vendor doesn't support the cloud. You need to deploy on physical servers. You're tied to specific technologies and the associated support costs and licensing costs. Web app server configurations and pairings, data stored in server instances. Many complications, such as fully automated pipelines, are a challenge. Difficulty integrating with other applications in the cloud. And in most cases, an inability to leverage the full potential of the cloud and the cloud services. When you're tasked to reimagine, you start by returning to the business requirements. What RPO, RTO do you want? Not currently have, but do you want? Truly reimagine. From a coupling perspective, is there flexibility? Where is there no flexibility? When you look at state, what components require state? Which are stateless? If stateful, why? How is it stored? Where is it stored? In some cases, we found logs were contributing to the state of our applications. Lastly, operating systems. Many applications are tied to operating systems. But is there any flexibility? Can you be OS agnostic? At Capital One, our availability, performance, and reliability improved because we could incorporate additional cloud services and capabilities. We were able to better integrate with our other cloud-native components. How do we do this? How do we accomplish that? Pretty straightforward. We built auto-scaling groups for our EC2s. We implemented a scalable RDS solution for our database needs. We incorporated S3, SNS, Route 53, Lambdas, to manage traffic and state where needed. And I know this is a Windows track, and EFS is not supported by Windows, but we were able to identify a situation where we were able to take Stateful, move it over to Linux, and leverage EFS. All these changes resulted in overall improvements in performance, resiliency, and costs. And it allowed us to fully automate our deployments. Of even greater value, our awareness to reimagine what's possible in other areas where it was identified. Getting to the core, when you're saving on infrastructure and you're saving on development hours, you're bringing innovation to the customer and the market faster. And when you can innovate faster, we can serve our customers better. And really, isn't that what all of us want? A better customer experience. Thank you. Thank you, Peter. Nice job. Awesome. Look at, look at these numbers. These are pretty incredible numbers, right? Thank you, Peter. Thanks very much. Really appreciate that. 
Um, the last point of migration that I want to talk to you is another new announcement that you'll really want to hear about. And this is about um, our AWS end of support migration program. So many of you are running critical workloads today and you need to get those over to later versions of operating system. And I'm really speaking about 2003. Yes, I know some of you still have 2003 and Windows Server 2008. So I'm really pleased today uh, to announce this program but it's actually more than a program. Um, for me, it's about intellectual capital and assets that we can apply to help you uh, leverage Windows Server 2003 and 2008 and get those over without refactoring to Windows Server 2016 and 2019. Now, how do we do that? We use patented technology that enables you to do an abstraction of those 2003 and 2008 calls that will enable you to get those applications migrated like they're using 2016 and 18, which means now you have all the security fixes, all the patching that you need, all the compliance that you need. You can get that done very quickly, and it really enables you as a package, either through a partner or through our own ProServe team, to be able to leverage this. I've talked to probably 17 customers here at reInvent alone uh, who are looking to do this because 2003 and 2008 will go out of support in January of this year. Uh, one of the customers that I've worked personally with on this is National Australian Bank. They've already taken, uh, are in the process of taking 1,200 2003 licenses over. They're looking at doing it for Windows Server 2019. They have another 4,500 2008 servers. So I won't make you raise your hands if you're still using 2003 or 2008, um, but if you are, this is a great solution for you. We have a great way for you guys to get started. If you wanna take a picture of the slide or when I post these for, to SlideShare, at the bottom you can learn more information about this particular program. We already have pre-trained a set of partners that are able to help you right away out of the gate, but also that's coupled with our own ProServe team that is ready to go. So if you're interested, please make sure you can talk to your rep about it, come talk to me about it. We've got a great team in the back of the room as well. So bottom line on migration, we wanna make migrating Windows workloads over to you as easy and cost effective as we possibly can. So now we're gonna move over to that fourth golden ring around modernization and innovation. And I know that Many of you in here today use Windows and SQL Server, and you've been using that for a while. However, I also know, because I talk to a lot of you, that many of you are looking to modernize what you do on Windows today. And in fact, in talking to so many of you, we've developed four modernization patterns that we're seeing as best practices across the board. Starting on the lower right, just moving SQL Server Windows to Linux is one way that customers are starting that modernization. So their teams can start to get used to the Linux operating system. We also see in the upper right an increasing number of customers moving SQL Server over to Aurora. You heard this morning from Andy, that's a tenth of the cost at equal or better performance. And then on the left-hand side, or I'm sorry, on your right-hand side, um, no, you're left, right? You're, you're left, sorry. The .NET, moving .NET to serverless and .NET to containers. And here we know if you're using .NET framework, uh, it's a little harder than if you're on .NET Core, which can already run on Linux. But regardless of what you are using or leveraging, we can help you also modernize that to Linux as well. Now today we have hundreds of customers doing this and modernizing today. And in fact, I think there's a lot of learning that you can do based on these customers. So for example, ZocDoc, a startup based out of New York City, they built their entire solution on .NET on-premises. As they started to scale, and now they're doing millions and millions of doctor's appointments online, they just couldn't scale up and scale down on-premises. So they were able to leverage microservices with a set of partners break that apart, containerize it, and get it to the cloud. Um, they've told us that their developer productivity went up by 3x, and their cost went down by the same by doing that modernization. 
Now, because we know you want to learn from customers like that, we are kicking off a blog that's specifically dedicated to these customer examples, um, our modernization with AWS blog. So watch for that if you want to see some specifics about that modernization. But we're lucky here today to have someone to talk to you about their modernization experience. Um, and this is Matt, who's from the Expedia Group. Uh, Matt is a senior director of client technology, and he will talk to us today about his experiences with modernization. Welcome, Matt. Thank you, Sandy. Uh-huh. Thank you. Thanks so much. <clears throat> All right. Thank you, Sandy. It was fun. Uh, I came in and uh, got to shake hands with Paul and Alex. They're both account leaders uh, with AWS, helping out Expedia. It made it feel like a a team thing, so that was great to see both you guys here today to get started. So, um, as Sandy said, I am Matt Parzibach. I'm with the Expedia Group, and you'll see on this slide that we aspire to be the world's travel platform. So, a little bit more about us. We are 20-plus global travel brands. Uh, we have 200-plus travel booking sites in 70 countries, so we are a global enterprise. Our supply stretches from hotel to air, activities, car, alternate accommodations, and also crews. So Expedia has been aggressively migrating to the cloud over the last few years, and we've partnered closely with AWS uh, to achieve our goals, and that's why I'm here uh, talking, to you, talking to you today. All right, let's drill down a little bit into uh, flight search. Uh, so best fare search is the application, or BFS as we like to call it, that powers a lot of our flight search on the Expedia platform. Uh, there are only five search engines like it in the world. Uh, if you're an Expedia customer, you go to one of our points of sale, you enter in your uh, departure information, your arrival information, destinations, dates, times. BFS does a lot of the work to pull together the choices for you as a traveler. So some numbers to give you an idea of uh, how BFS operates. So across the EG platform, we're expecting 60 billion travel searches or flight searches uh, in 2019. That breaks down to about 165 million flight searches per day. Uh, and if you were to, um, and I should note that half of those flight searches run through BFS, so that gives you an idea of scale. Uh, to talk a little bit about the complexity of BFS, um, we did a, a test internally, and we took off the guardrails, we took off the constraints from the best fare search engine, and we put a simple trip in from Seattle to Atlanta. We wanted to see what it would come back with. And it returned to us 19.7 quadrillion options uh, for that trip. Um, and a fun fact for you is if you were to print out all of those itineraries, that stack of paper would stretch from here up to Saturn. I didn't do the math on that. I trusted the person that gave me those calculations. But it gives you an idea of, of scale for, uh, for BFS and for flight search. And I mentioned it's one of five in the world uh, and that that stack would reach to Saturn. So lots to think about in terms of moving BFS to the cloud. So let's talk a bit about considerations. So what would be some of the challenges for moving this application to the cloud? What are some of the things we thought about? Uh, what are the challenges? So first, scaling. These are compute-heavy query servers, uh, and hundreds of them uh, to run this application. To give you an idea of size, we're running C5-9XLs in the cloud for what we have currently moved over. Uh, we have to scale quickly for seasonality. We just had Black Friday. We just had Cyber Monday. We had coupons out there. We had to scale up quickly. Uh, also note, too, that I said only half of those flight searches, the 60 billion flight searches, were running through BFS. We want to continue to move that from half to 60, 70, 80%. So we need to be able to scale this service in the cloud quickly. Uh, resilience. Uh, BFS goes down. We've got a revenue loss problem at the company. And at best, we have a uh, customer experience degradation. Uh, we realize that travel is a competitive market. You all have choices when you're booking your travel. We need BFS to stay up. So resilience is a key consideration. Optimization in a pay-per-use uh, cloud world, we need to make sure that our investment uh, gets us the most for our dollar. And then lastly, deployment. 
Uh, our deployment framework right now for BFS is complicated. It's slower than we want, and it has, and it can be error prone. So we wanted to try and improve upon that. Uh, there is a, a fifth one on the list as well, um, and it's not on the slide. I'll mention it though, and that's timing. So BFS is not the only application at Expedia that is currently migrating to the cloud. So there are dependencies on other migration plans that we had to think about, and we also had to align with our data center exit strategy too. So timing becomes a key consideration. How do we address the challenges? How are we to get Expedia off the ground, uh, to use a travel analogy? Uh, first, lift and shift. It's not that glamorous of a, of a cloud approach or a migration approach, but for us it worked, and it directly addresses that point I made in the previous slide about timing. Uh, it allowed us to line up with some of the other migration plans internally, and it allowed us to line up with our data center exit strategy. And then modernization. So the point of, of or one of the points um, in this track. And modernization for us uh, flows into performance and efficiency. So, and, and when I say modernization for BFS, for Expedia, what I'm talking about is moving from the Windows OS to Linux OS. And that was a choice we've made. And we're expecting a few things out of that. One, our performance gains. So as we do this work, after we lift and shift, and as we begin to modernize, we expect performance gains. And we'll test for that. And we'll prove that out. And we'll make that work. We also expect a lower cost of operation. So those C5-9XLs that I mentioned earlier uh, cost me 50% less uh, in the Linux version compared to the Windows version. And then also, too, that modernization work will allow us to use some of our internal deployment tools that don't currently support Windows OS. That'll allow us to scale up faster, get features to our customers faster, and uh, give us some efficiency. And I think the last thing I want to mention is that all of this is being done in partnership with our AWS account team. So we've actively engaged our account leaders, like Alex and Paul, who I mentioned earlier. Uh, we have a number of other resources on site. And then we also have AWS professional services uh, engage with us to help. So all of that said, this is Expedia Flight Search, and it's ready for takeoff. Thank you. Thank you, Sandy. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. So I bet you're all wondering how we can help you potentially go from Windows to Linux, uh, because that is one of our number one questions that we get asked. And so one of the things that I want to um, talk to you about is how we can leverage some of our experience. And one of my favorite quotes, again, is from Andy Jassy, our CEO, who says, there's no compression algorithm for experience. And so we want to share our experience of helping thousands of customers move from Windows to Linux. So a couple things that we're announcing today. Um, the first one is around the Application Modernization Lab. Very similar if you've used our machine learning lab. What we do is we get in a room with you as a customer. We work on your specific problem together. We help you to apply some of those modernization techniques. I know a lot of customers want to do containers, but they don't know how to build a containerization strategy. Or they want to know, should I do containers or serverless or both? How do I do that? So this lab helps you to do that um, as you're looking at these considerations. The next thing that we hear a lot about is containers. And Andy talked about this today. He said these, some of these facts verbally. Um, but AWS today does have leadership in containers. 81% of containers today are done in the cloud. And of that, 80% um, of those are running on AWS. And 82% of Kubernetes today in the cloud run on AWS. Both ECS um, containers are, and Kubernetes run on Windows and on Linux. And so today, we are making a major announcement in here that I think will make every one of you who loves Windows very happy. And this is group managed service accounts. And this is for support in both ECS as well as EKS. Thank you for that wow. <laughs> I think this is a big wow. So many of you have been looking to containerize your application, but you know that when you do that, it breaks your AD integration, your Active Directory integration. So with this new service, you're now able to containerize without breaking that AD, container, uh, that AD integration. And this works for both ECS and EKS, Windows as well as Linux. Now also, I know many of you are looking at how do I move SQL Server 
over to Aurora. And some of you just want to investigate that. Well, just like we have the modernization lab, we do have something called database freedom. And we will also gladly share a lot of those best practices that we have to help you get your SQL Server over to Aurora if you're interested in doing that. And again, I know Andy mentioned it, I mentioned it earlier, it's a tenth of the cost, a tenth of the cost of what you're running today with SQL Server. And that's why we have so many customers today that are migrating SQL Server over to Aurora. Um, in fact, one of the ones that I think is really interesting is Decisive. Decisive had done the assessments with us and was gonna migrate SQL Server on-prem over to SQL Server on the, on the AWS. But as they started evaluating with us through DB Freedom and some of the best practices, they said, you know what, we're just gonna go from SQL Server on-prem to Aurora in the cloud, and that's what they did. And we do have a nice blog and the whole details of their story online as well. So regardless of how you're looking to modernize, whether it's SQL Server to Linux, SQL Server to Aurora, or .NET Framework, or .NET Core to containers and to serverless, um, we can help you out for sure. Okay, you ready for our fifth golden ring? Yes, five golden rings. This is our fifth one. And this is around uh, analytics and insight. So, you know, we talk a lot about machine learning. But if you're going to do machine learning, and I tell this to customers all the time, you have to start with your data. You can't just jump into machine learning because garbage in is garbage out. So you need really high data quality. You need data quantity, enough data. And you also need to look at the data source. And I know for a lot of you, because I work with a lot of customers on SQL, that that data today is, is stored inside of SQL Server, and you need to get it out. So one of the things that we worked on is creating a flywheel around how you would use that SQL Server data in a machine learning environment. So as you go through that database assessment with that database freedom, you'll look at migrating over SQL Server to AWS. Customers like Just Eat have done that and ensured that they can use that with their Alexa skills. But also, as you start to modernize that, put that in a data lake, take it to Aurora, now you can leverage that data through SageMaker, SageMaker Studio you heard about today, uh, Redshift, you can really leverage this across the board. And this is one of the reasons why we have announced our deep learning AMI for Windows. Many of you want to leverage machine learning with Windows, and we were the first to come out with this. It supports all the popular frameworks, including TensorFlow, where most customers today are using TensorFlow as a machine learning framework. It's really easy to set up and code. There are several GitHub examples that you can use and leverage as well. Customers like GE, and I know Andy talked today on stage about GE Healthcare and what they're doing in Linux. Um, but what you may not know is that they're also using SageMaker and they're able, without any custom work, to also pull in some of that SQL Server data and add those ML pr uh, predictions and that capability into what they're doing. Most healthcare companies like GE believe that 82% of what they need to get out is that data that's stored in SQL Server. And then finally, last but not least, I am hoping that you guys caught the announcement about the AWS Data Exchange. And this data exchange is really important because there's so much data out there today, it's just not consumable by humans. And so what we've done is we've created a way to gather that data input place it in S3, an S3 bucket, and then have subscribers like yourself be able to pull that data out. Um, and so this will enable you to, again, leverage some of that SQL Server data you know, as we expand this out. And today we've got huge partnerships, primarily in financial services, as well as in healthcare. So now we've covered all 14 announcements, believe it or not. And um, I was challenged by my team to do a wrap, W-R-A-P, wrap, to close it out. But I'm a wrapper. So I got one of our essays to do a wrap around the 14 announcements. So are you guys all ready? Yes. Are you ready? Yes. Okay, here you go. So listen closely, okay? 
Start with modernization and innovation, ease abuse and accelerated cloud migration, analytics, insights and cost savings. How do we refer to all of these things? Five golden rings. I'll be wrapping it up about these five rings. I gotta do it like this cause I can't sing. From the TCO savings as the number one ring. HDD with FSX, now that's working. License manager with dedicated host support. Optimizer for compute improved cost reports. Then comes ease of use for ring number two. Single sign-on helps you know just who is who. Image builder launch, wizard for SQL and SAP. And that takes us to ring number three. Migration acceleration helps you get in the lead. Map for Windows is the program to plant the seed. EMP for Windows Server moves you up the line, setting up support for SQL 2019. Number four is the ring that comes up next. Modernize and innovate is the text. EKS for Windows has now gone GA. That and ECS support GMSA. A lab to modernize your apps is in ring four. Moving from the old way to .NET Core. We've also joined the .NET Foundation, helping customers with business in every nation. And that brings us to ring number five, analytics and insights to help your business thrive. The flywheel is a tool to drive insights and data exchange can help you get it right. Deep learning AMI on EC2 windows can help you get results to impress your bros. So total cost of ownership and ease of use. Migration acceleration to let your IT loose. Modernization and innovation, analytics and insight for business regulations. What have you got when you add up all these things? Five golden rings. Thank you guys so much. I hope you've enjoyed this presentation, especially the wrap so you can summarize all 14. If you need to get a hold of me for any reason or you need more information, here's my email address as well. Thank you guys so much. Talk to you soon.